Welcome to the podcast. Yeah. Double ping pong. Oh. I said it a lot of times in my head, so I didn't say it We're wrong bouncing again. the ball over to you. I'm joined today by my best friend, Robert Fredette. He's literally picking the pong. I know you're moving left to right on a microphone, <laughs> but, <laughs> but but a microphone is a mono audio line. It, I just wanted to make sure that if it did, <laughs> I was in the right way. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also joined with my wife, Haley. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah that's you me. You sure are. And her best friend, Robert's wife, Marie. I am. So quiet. Here I am. Sound sealed, delivered. Um, what mind. do we want to tell people? We got every episode. You're supposed to recap your life a little bit. We are best friends. Grew up in high school. Best friends. Grew up in high school. We grew up in high Just school. Just like everybody I, hey, else. Hey, I grew up <laughs> a lot in high the school. The apple didn't fall from the tree today. <laughs> stop! <laughs> stop having so many inside jokes, guys. <laughs> This is a public recently. Haley said that the apple doesn't fall from the tree during a conversation. That's not the phrase. But it does no, I fall know. from the tree, and they caught it like they do every time. So, hey, if you guys catch Haley <laughs> saying anything that's a little bit off, <laughs> please. Let Apparently, us know. we're, we're we beating me it. up again. I know. This Wait, yeah. Did we do this? We did we this, did last, this week. last time. Lay off. What me? Yeah. yeah. Oh, come on. Nah. Uh, so I'm going to go put heartless. Marie in a corner. Time out time. All right. <laughs> <laughs> You're rude. Uh, so yeah, we, we are best friends. We are also all in ministry together. We're all uh, pretty, pretty, yeah, yeah, in the thick of parenting. We're pretty new to it. Not really. It. It's been a while. Well, no, now. we're we're in the early stages of parents. I think parenthood. I think there are parents out there that would still look at us and be like, "They're Noobs. just at the Aww. beginning." Yeah, yeah. Except, yeah. Um, statistically, you spend a hundred hours doing something to be considered an expert. We are expert we're parents. parents. So no, but beep, 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 it changes all the time. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, are you doing that for a hundred hours? Because it feels well, like a new adventure. Because well, once you figure something out and you're like, I figured it out, yeah. something else changes. And yeah. you're like, okay, what do we do now? It's <laughs> annoying too because it's different with every child. Like, yeah, for sure. We're only experts with uh, that one kid. With that one kid, and three-year-old. He's five now, but that, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, so not next week. Useless anymore. information now. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yeah, we're in the thick of it. So yeah, today we're talking about, uh, we're going to play a little game first. Hey, That's babe, what we're doing. I'm we're going to play a little you. game. Haley came up. Well, I have two. So okay. someone else is going to have to jump in and oh, ask a couple questions. I better start things. Googling. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll ask you, babe. So these, it's just a would you rather. This is literally what I came up with my, in my head like 10 minutes ago. Would you rather have to eat beef tips, like steak tips mm -hmm. for the rest of your life? Or yes. have a potato on your foot. Like that's a toe for the rest of your life. I feel like one is a great option. Yeah, what? Would you like to have the Wait, most- Wait, I choose the no. potato, final answer. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like- Give me the potato. <laughs> like all the time. You'd get so sick of it. I feel like it would totally wreck your gut. No way. No, no one would I see your potato so. toe. My, my potato. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a potato. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
no one would see my potato. <laughs> so good. Um, no, I would never have another iron deficiency. I'd I'd be jacked because all I'd eat is some nice protein. And then like yeah, a potato toe wouldn't last either. Like what, no, it, what are you it would last about? for life. Like you just I feel like it has yeah. magic. Flow, <laughs> the potato has blood flow. Gross. <laughs> Instead of clipping nails, you're clipping all the little eyes oh. that grow Wait, out of it. Isn't it just a goiter at that point? Uh, <laughs> My goiter. Okay, so you said the beef dips. I okay. yes, I would rather that than a potato. Oh, sour cream on your toe. <laughs> potato. Okay. So it's permanent. Are you saying my friends would have an endless supply of potatoes from my toe? Wait a minute. What? Wait a minute. Haley, what would you choose? Because you thought this question was the killer. Yeah. See, I would not have steak I tips know. the rest of my life. Well, you, I like you diversity. Do well I like, I wouldn't mind like looking at a little potato toe. It's kind of cute. A potato. A potato. No. Okay. Well, I would have said the potato because I, I like diverse food. Thank just, you very much. I remember in high school. I would have some serious problems. Yeah. I don't remember who it is, who it was, but I remember in high school, some girl was wearing flip flops and I swear she had potatoes. <laughs> and I could not stop staring. <laughs> okay, this is really cool. okay. Okay. Well, moving on to the next question. Yeah. Okay. Marie, I'll ask you this one. Okay. Would you rather live in Europe for a year with no job, nothing like planned, like you just had to live in Europe and figure it out You're homeless. or be stuck in your home for a total of six months with like only like deliberate, you couldn't leave your house? Am I homeless in Europe? No, you could figure it out. Like you could get a job. Does you she could have then- money? Oh, you, she can get a job. You know, she has, she just has to go to Europe. You've got to take my family come. Yeah. I would go to Europe. Okay. Figure it out. What was the second half of that? Or you're stuck at home for six months. Like you can get food delivered to you, but you can't leave your house. I feel like. People could come over to visit, but you could not leave your house. Or I would have to move to Europe. Or you'd move to Europe for a year Only with no guarantee year. of job or anything like that. Like you just had a ticket to go to Europe and you had to figure it out. But you could take your family. Yeah. All right. I thought it was like, would you like to take a trip to Europe or stay in your house for the rest of your life? <laughs> <laughs> well, I like I feel like you're doing to me. She looks at me angrily. Why don't you take me to Europe once in a while? <laughs> All right. I'm just kidding. That's good. I'm bad at this game. I'm bad at would you rathers. Why? Um, Because I always go for the juvenile painful ones. Would you rather have your shoulder scraped with a cheese grater? Or would you like to... um, you like to put your foot in a paper shredder? French kiss a T-Rex. Well... Wow. Was that your answer, regardless of what I was going to say? <laughs> that was my rather. <laughs> rather than both of those. Um, some people know this about me, but I'm a big fan of Chat AI. I'm going to tell you what Chat AI gave me some questions. Is this for Rob? Oh, no, his, his answer was- It's for anyone. Yeah, I think First, I said, hey, Chat AI, please and thank you. Um, would you give me some would you rather questions? Gave me some. They're boring, generic. I said, Please, could you make them ministry or parenting related? Mm. We now have ministry mm. or parenting related 
Um, here's one. We'll just steamroll because it's chat AI. They came up with it. We're just going to go with it. Would you rather have an endless supply of patience uh, for your role as pastor or always have the perfect answer to any theological question? Ooh. That's chat AI. You know the problems. I would say patience. Your fruits are more important than knowledge. Mm, and yeah. so for me, if I, cause I can always help people find the answer. I can, if I don't know the answer, then I would help them find the answer and we would be on a journey together. But if I had the patience for that, yes, you know, throughout that's life, pretty good. Think of it thought. like this. We already have the Holy Spirit. So basically it's just saying that we would just have the patience we have right now <laughs> from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> so that, Plus all the knowledge that we could ever get. Which one? I, I choose the knowledge <laughs> because the Holy Spirit can, the Holy, can fix it. The Holy Spirit's going to have the patience. Yeah, the whole because that's where the fruits come from. Uh, and I mean, yeah, I choose the. Mm. I, choose I don't the know. I feel I like that could be magically dangerous. getting it. So that's magically getting each of those. <laughs> I just it, feel like if you if you had the the perfect answer for every theological question, you're not that it leaves so much. I know much, a couple people like that. It leaves so much room. Or you, I don't know how to say this, but you just forget the connection piece. So like yeah. you just give the right mm. answer and you don't, um, you don't know how to relate to somebody because you're like, well, this is, this is correct. Kind of like the Pharisees, they had the correct answers, right? but they missed the whole point. Yeah. I think that they had a lot of wrong answers. We don't have to get into that. They did because they missed the whole point, but yeah. they, they knew how to cite the right, the right answers. Yeah, yes. they knew the law, but they didn't understand it with their heart. So, yeah, I agree. I think in the same way with Marie. I feel like it's better to assist in questions and help them find it and help them discover it than know it all. Because and then also pride leaks in there. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. My brain goes everywhere. And there's, there's, a, there's a certain level of, uh, of character building that comes from actually looking things up for yourself and trying to find things and studying and all that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, absolutely. So, I mean... I wouldn't choose. <laughs> no, I mean, if we had to choose one or the other. Whichever the Lord gives. <laughs> if I had to choose one or the other, would I rather deal with a lack of patience or would I rather deal with knowing everything and dealing with all the pride and craziness that comes with it and like all of that stuff that comes along with pride and knowing everything? So that's the real question. Yeah, I thought we'd just shotgun through these suckers, but... <laughs> Well, <laughs> here we are. Please well, open your Bibles. Let's get some, <laughs> let's get some wisdom on this. Uh, second question. Would you rather have the ability to instantly connect with anyone on a deep and spiritual level or have a natural talent for delivering inspiring sermons? The first one. First one. Yeah. Yeah, joke's on you guys. I want the second one. Um, I'm just kidding. Because you, you actually <laughs> preach. No, I'm kidding. Uh, last one. Here's our... I'll just read it. Uh, would you rather be able to foresee and present and prevent conflicts within the congregation or have the power to perform miraculous healings? Jokes on you, Chad AI. What we see Jesus do, we will do as well. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we have the power. So I don't know the Thank second one, I guess, since we already have the first, the, no, the first one, since we already have the second one. <laughs> Get out of here, chat AI. Wait, do we have like an organ like button that we can press? We should get time? that. <laughs> have you seen that? That's an app. No. Oh my gosh. Someone else talk. 
while I find the Preach app and it exists. Well, this is going to be great. I've got a lot of interesting things to say to you. Um, but let me preface that by saying I don't have, I haven't prepared anything. So I'm just going to continue. Why do we want an organ though? Why did you interrupt my beautiful <laughs> rant? <laughs> I'm confused as to why. Sorry. I'm just confused as because to why. Because when you say a, like a point or something in like a gospel-y church and somebody plays the organ yeah. and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Like, oh, <laughs> I don't I know where like, it is. Oh, but there no, is that's a choir. Oh, wait, that's there angels. That yeah, like a choir. That's that what little, I was looking for to show her before. Yeah, he's got piano. like a little toy kid's piano. Is and this he's a reels? Just, yeah, yeah, and he's just like playing or it and he's TikTok. he's singing Nationwide is on my side, but yeah. he's singing Jesus. Jesus Christ is on my side. <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> is on my side. He's nationwide. He's worldwide. <laughs> it, it's just, it was it's crazy. so good. And then he gets up and does like the, the, like the, the gospel dance shuffle. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to watch that later after this the podcast. Is a yeah, we'll work through it. But tonight we thought we'd talk through, um, like we talked about before, ministry, families. Uh, we've been a part of ministry for quite some time. Uh, being uh, pastors or just volunteers, whatever it may be. You don't get the chance as often to go through um, like your story, how you met the Lord, how you decided to follow the Lord. And so... Our first episode was obviously just kind of a laugh riot of our most awkward conversation hopefully we'll ever have here. <laughs> and so we do want to set that precedent of like, no, us following Jesus is one is, is the most important thing about our life. And so we figured episode two, we should tap into the serious side of here's how we found the Lord and that process. And I think more than that, I'd like to have us each talk through like, here's how we met the Lord, but also maybe a, a um, maybe just a big turning point for you as well. Cause some, some people like, oh yeah, I grew up in a Christian family. I always followed the Lord, but yeah. there's still plenty of like, what, what was the big thing that God had worked in you to, to put you mm -hmm. where you're at right now yeah. within ministry or, or whatever that may be. I so. feel like with testimonies, it's always going to be evolving because there's always something big that's happening yep. in our lives. And so I think it's like always going to be something we can share with other people. So um, I agree. I think it'll be cool to see yeah. and talk about. I listened to uh, a podcast. Uh, it's an emotionally healthy leader podcast, but the guy was talking about how he uh, through his entire life has been through three, he, he calls them three conversion moments mm. where like they're just parts of his life where where God did something in his heart and it changed the course of his life. And and yeah, so like, I think that's all part of the testimony, yeah. but he could, th that's his testimony is yeah. those moments. That's really good. Um, I know what I found it. <laughs> Made a good <laughs> preaching point. That's good. Anyway, that's an app, and I think it's serious. I don't think that's a gimmick. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I've always viewed testimonies as, like, a, just your story. Like, mm. not necessarily how you came to know Christ, but more so, like, where are the pivotal moments in your life, like you guys all said, where, like, God has really shown you how faithful he is. Are you okay? I would just need to cough away from the mic, that's all. <laughs> so I dived across the room. <laughs> Hang on. I <laughs> <laughs> she like pulled an ostrich and stuck her head into the couch. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, you know you how ostriches, know what ostriches do? <laughs> stick their heads into the dirt. Oh. <laughs> like, oh she just I... got up, turned around and stuck her head into the couch. <laughs> I didn't want to cough in the mic. Perfect. All right. Well, let's get into it. Yeah. Who, who would like to go first? 
who like to tell their first story. Who's got the least compelling? Go with that. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Ouch. What? Let's start with the least compelling. Rob? <laughs> no, I'll go first. Kidding. That's okay. Um, no, so yeah. Start with the singer? Oh. <laughs> and the Lord blessed me. <laughs> Perfect. Um, so anyway. Uh, yeah, so no, I was, uh, I was raised a Christian. I was... I wouldn't say I was born a Christian. I don't know if that's how it works. Um, but I was, I was raised by in a Christian home, um, as they say. And I always knew that God was real. Never really questioned that Jesus died for my sins um, and rose again. Like that was always a real thing to me. Um, I knew that he was with me, that I wasn't ever alone all the way through my childhood. I knew that I had a purpose. Um I mean, mom, dad, sounds like he did a bang up job. Just saying. Great. Um, but uh, yeah, but I, I, I think the biggest, most pivotal, pivotal, really pivotal moment in my life um, was it, it occurred two years, about, about two years into marriage. I'm looking at my wife about two years. Yeah. 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 Um, into, uh, my marriage, our marriage. And it was when I, um, when it, it kind of, I confessed to my wife that I had uh, a pornography problem. And in that whole situation, um, I, I had always believed that it, it was something that would never go away. Like that it was just something that would be stuck in me or around me. Like, like I would always be stuck with it. It would never go away. Um, I remember being, yep. Can I interrupt you? What yeah. made you think that? Uh, well, this, um, well, <laughs> <laughs> um, so when I was, a, I guess when I was a kid growing up, you just always, you, you always hear like through youth group and stuff like that, that that's always an issue. And I was around different pastors and stuff. And at one point I was, I was in a car with, a pastor and another pastor. So two pastors could have just said that. And uh, there was a woman walking down the side of the road or jogging or something. But I remember one of them saying, um, is it ever going to be difficult, like not difficult to, to like, to not look? Is it ever going to be easier? Is it ever going to get easier? And the older pastor said, no, it's not. And um, in my head, I kind of was like, well, I guess I'll just always be dealing with it. Um, and I, I can't remember right now. There were a couple other moments in life that I don't know if you can, if you remember any part of the story, I have a terrible memory. Um, but that was one of the biggest moments that I think I remember that kind of shifted that way of thinking. And, uh, you know, I started to build my own theology on it based on the stuff that I'd heard of and, or listened to. And I try to stop it myself, try to, try to fix it my, in, in my own way. Um, I definitely think that what I went through was, it definitely, I know it definitely had demonic things occurring in it, like they're around me and, and stuff. Um, I wouldn't say I was possessed, but definitely oppressed, like, like something knew what I was going through and it wasn't going to let me get away from it. Um, but I also can't just blame it. Like it was obviously me. But that's what I learned. That was my big moment of understanding. So two years into our marriage, um, I kind of, it, it, it came out. Um, I don't remember how it came out. I'm sorry. Um, but- uh, 
neither. Okay, good. (laughs) I I don't remember how it came out. I just remember it it, it coming out and saying like, and it like my wife knew, I knew, and and we had to work through it. And we ended up going to counseling and um, I, uh, and the counselor kind of was walking us through it and, and trying to, trying to fix the situation and give us different pointers. And she gave us a book to read um, called, uh, what is it? Battlefield of the Mind, Mind, um, where I started to realize that I could, I could take thoughts captive, that Mm -hmm. I, that it wasn't just a a free for all in my head, that it wasn't like something could pop up and I had to hold on to it. I could get rid of it. I could be like, you don't belong here. See you later. Um, But the real, the real thing that happened, my real first ever um, freedom, like truth set me free moment was when I realized in a counseling meeting that, um, that it's not my flesh, that it's, it, it, it is, it, my flesh has to do with it, mm. but I can't blame the sin or the choice on my flesh. That's like, me. it's not an alter ego. Right. It's, it's not, you. Right. Like if I, it had been something that became a part of me for so long where I'd stopped multiple times and like, you know, I'd go long stints without doing it, but it would always come back. And that was, that was the belief that it was, that it would always just come back. It, it was always just going to be there. And, uh, and it was the belief that I was able, I was able to separate it from, from who I thought I was. Mm. Like I have me and I have the me that screws up. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, um, and, and so I would just chalk that up to my flesh based on, based on scripture, which is what I thought it said, what right. I, what I, what I understood it to say, which I believe is wrong, was a wrong misunderstanding. Yeah. Um, and so it, it finally came to me, like, I think the counselor said it, like, it's not your flesh. That's wrong. It's, it's you. You're making those choices. You're, mm-hmm. you're choosing to hurt your wife. Mm-hmm. You know, not like I was abusive, but you're choosing to, to scar your wife in that way, <laughs> like, to, to, to cause that pain in her. And, uh, and I realized that, it, like, it, it was a switch. I remember it's just, like, clicking. And I remember the counselor and my wife, like, still, like, saying, like, like trying to continue on the conversation, but it was almost like I backed out of the conversation a little bit just mentally because I was like, it's gone. Like, I, I don't, I get it. Like, uh, no, you can stop talking. <laughs> mm-hmm. I understand. Yeah, like, it, <laughs> like we can end no here. more. All done. Yeah, like, I'm good, thanks. We could just head out. He didn't like, say that though. He just stood up and walked out, which is <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I'm done. Um, but that was it. Like, it was, it, it was such a, I don't, I just felt like I, I, I realized I'd been lied to. For so long, like yeah. I just was believing a lie for so long, yeah. and I was so stuck in it. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden, it wasn't there anymore. I didn't know that about the pastors. I didn't remember that. Yeah. 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 Which is like crazy. Like when you think about it, if you're in ministry, how much think about what you're saying. Yeah. Like think about how it can deeply root some sin issues in people if it gives them the wrong idea. Pressure's yeah. on, guys. <laughs> it it is. We're accountable yeah. for what we say. Right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, Amen to that. But since then, like since that moment, um, I just I've just dug into making sure that kind of doing the steps of what the battlefield of the mind kind of taught me of making sure that I'm putting positive things into my mind and putting uh, like in the morning I'm not waking up scrolling on Facebook or I'm not like I've just set up boundaries in my life and that's not something that I'm saying pridefully I'm saying that I've set them up. Um, 
with with guidance with with people that I trust um, to make sure that I don't fall into those the, a, a situation where I could screw up again. I, I'm I'm setting myself up to the best of my abilities to succeed and to to bring life and to my family through 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 following Jesus. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it's waking up. It's 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 keeping my boundaries. It's it's uh, waking up and and reading my Bible or listening to worship music and putting positive things in my mind, not letting my mind stay in a in a negative place in the morning, um, but getting out of it and kind of preparing myself for the rest of the day mm. um, and fighting for God's presence every day and 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 just recognizing that fight yeah. every day. Um, but that's and since then it's just been studying and trying to trying to be closer to God and know more and and uh, and just follow after the teachings of Jesus because that's what we are that's who we are our core. Cool. That's so good. That's so good. You made it made me think through to just when we were talking through the pastors that made comments or just those lies that work through, <laughs> which I feel like the more we talk through even just culture and, and in our own lives because I'm going to have a similar story of just lies that the enemy uses. That That's trying to get us to have a bad worldview of what our faith is, is like Satan's MO. Like that's just what he's always going to try and use. Like, all right, if you're going to follow God, I'm going to try and mess up all of your understanding about it. Yeah. So you're going to have this false idea but i just thought through like again yeah the pressure's on being pastors and teachers like scripture talks about like be like be warned the the people who are the teachers mm. you're going to be judged harshly because you wanted to be a teacher but you said this and that changed these 10 kids theology yeah, who knew you were me. a teacher at every point in your life right you're, right. you're a yeah. teacher sitting in the in a car in a car mm-hmm. you're a well, teacher going to impact more than a sermon a conversation, yep. like yeah. that type of thing. So, there is a quote that um, I heard that I I actually wrote down, and it was in a previous conversation about you. And I have it right here. I want to quote it. It says, "The problem of male lust is not solved by looking away from women, but but by looking at them correctly, as more than their physical bodies or the temptation they pose or the sexual satisfaction they provide." Men must learn to see them as sisters, image bearers in Christ or, or co-heirs in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's where you corrected your thinking. Mm. That Yeah, that's one of the pivotal moments where, if it's okay that I share, yeah, like share for, for our marriage, like for anyone who knows Rob, he's one of the most kind-hearted, genuine people I've ever met. And like, that's like in the home, he's the same guy at home that he is that you meet anywhere. Um and so for me, when it all came out, I just remember being like, who, who are you? <laughs> like, this is not you, mm. not only for what it's doing to me, but like, don't you realize that the women that you're looking at are, are victims? And I'm not saying this, like, I'm like, this is not like a fresh wound or anything. I'm not trying to condemn my husband, but um, these women, like they're trafficked. And even, even if they're making this choice, they're so lost. Like, don't you see that God made them and they are his creation and they're still beautiful, not for what they look like, but because of who they are. And Rob made that connection in his head at one point and that was kind of one of his tools. And I think you you tell other yeah. guys going through that now. It was a, I, it was, it's like a re, 
remapping of the brain kind of thing yeah. where yeah. you're like when you no matter who you see i mean it started off with with um just people walking women walking down the road kind of thing you i'd see them and you, you can't not see people but right. you'd see them and then and then i would say out loud that person is loved by god mm. out loud yeah. every time and not let my mind have a chance to do anything else and it like in ev- and then it turned into not just not just women it turned in i, I started to realize that that's how i needed to see everybody yeah. and yeah. so it started to be anybody that walked down the road mm-hmm. and that person is loved by god um and it's just a mindset of and and then you took it a step further i think um more recently where I think that quote that Haley just said um, reminded me of what we were talking about. Um, I don't know if you'd be able to articulate it any better than I would. Um, but I don't know what you're talking the, about. The idea that, the idea that um, a, we need to be able to see people the way that God sees people. Um, so looking past whether they are whether they're short, whether they're gangly tall and just weird, we make all these all these judgments like initially right off the bat in our heads. They're attractive. They're not attractive. Um, that no that nose is crooked. Whatever that is, like we make these judgment calls instead of seeing somebody and seeing a person that God loves mm. that that could be lost is a brother or sister. We, it, we just automatically go to a judge a judgment zone or like mm-hmm. just it just in a place in our head. We it might not ever say anything. Yeah. It might not even be judgment. It's just useless observation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You're right. Like, so what? That guy is very tall. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Like, but it's like, it's taking again, those thoughts captive before like you let them just wander. And it's like, why do we even go there? Yeah, you know, it's, why do we make those, those? Yeah. Right. You see, you see, like, the Bible says that that God doesn't see the outward appearance; He sees the heart. And I think it would be, it, I, I imagine that it's possible for us to be able to walk in the Spirit well enough to not look at people in a in a poor light like that, mm. but to be able to see people and have have God's Spirit be able to help us to see who that person is, or even just feel who that person is instead of instead of see who that person is first. I mean, mm. I think it's possible. Um, and I think that's kind of where the journey is that I'm heading. Um, yeah. That's what I, Jesus it, did. Right. That's how he lived his ministry in life. Think, yeah. And, and I think we have examples of that, even more yeah. modern examples of people purchasing women out of sex trafficking. You know, the only way to get into the situation where you could is in an extreme place that's that's sexual and mm-hmm. they're doing what they're told to do out of there. And so you're you're having to stand against all of that to be able to do that. And we know people who run entire operations, like that's what they do. Yeah, so clearly a, they're able to go into right. Those prostitution situ- yeah. areas and just be like, we're purchasing her because she's loved by God Christ, right? and we're getting her free out of this. And so there are people that's, who yeah. actively do it. So like. Cool. Those, those guys are nuts. Like, that's so cool. I, yeah, I heard a story recently with Tim Tebow and his dad when he was- Oh, young, yeah, Tim yeah, Tebow runs his the whole dad, thing Yeah, I guess. Um, I, I heard this from a third party, so I don't know how accurate it is, but I'm assuming it's it's there. But I guess his dad, he came home one time and his dad, they obviously, Tim Tebow's in the football stuff and that's one of the bigger trafficking things that happen. And- he came home 
with three girls. And Tim looked at his dad. He goes, these are your new sisters. He like rescued them out of how. And he purchased them. You have sisters now. (laughs) Yeah, just just like like, did it. Like completely, like out of the blue, random. But it's pretty cool. It's crazy. Yeah, but it's like those are like workers that are like doing what they can for Christ and like freeing and helping. It's just, it's moving stories, but we're kind of derailing off of the conversation. So I don't want to. I think, I think it's a big deal. It works through. That's really good. Well, thank you for sharing, Rob. Welcome. Um, Last thing I want to say is that I think that it's really spurred me into caring about families Mm. and, and, and like, especially like the, the dads and the husbands, Mm. like, just knowing the effect that it has on a family and maybe like seeing families and trying to help them to see like this affects your family way more than you think it does. Um, and, and being part of helping people out of that, that's been, that's on my heart pretty heavy. Everything a dad or a husband does, it affects the family, whether they want it to or not. Yeah, I know. Like, and you know, Haley and I have a similar story of us walking through the same sort of hardship and, seeking forgiveness from the uh the issue of pornography and to work through kind of healing from that and i remember i was and and still when i when i when we talk about it when i ask so surprised by the fact of how much a secret sin impacts a family and how what you're allowing into the family it impacts a lot of people even if it's a, even if it's a secret, because the enemy just wants to work that way, and and there's an authority layout that Scripture calls through, and like the man's the head of the household, what he's allowing in, he's allowing in for everyone. And it's interesting too, because sometimes when that happens, that are secrets, it's secret, and not just how it's affecting you, but the other people in the family. Right. Well, that's and what so, I mean. Yeah. And in, in it, adverse it breaks. effects too. Like Say that one more time. Just in different, different ways. Right. Absolutely. Very, very different ways. Like it could mm-hmm. be lust in one area and just like fear or anxiety that shows up or in pops another up. another person. In yeah. Right. Yeah. Comparison, you know, um, inadequacy. All of those things, can, those areas of sin are, are, are branched off of another sin mm-hmm. and it's trickled into the family unit. Yeah. And so the enemy wants to take out the head of the household and that's how, that's how he's going to do it. And that just trickles into the effect into the family. So, Yeah. And I just know, I just know as we've seen in our walk for purity and, and having a God honoring marriage, the things that I've let go that have, that the things that have lost its grip on me have released off of Haley. Right. I've experienced my freedom with things I didn't even know was haunting me. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Until I realized what freedom was without those things. Yeah. And I was like, like my eyes have been opened in a completely different way because of his freedom and his true healing that came. And so it is incredible once when confession forgiveness and freedom come from releasing a sin. Yeah. And there is nothing more impactful from, from those moments. Like I always say like no amount of years and of therapy and counseling, like I love therapy and I love counseling. I mean, we're in it. Like it's important for like communication (laughs) and everything else. But 
there's no amount of years of counseling or therapy that can change what the Holy Holy Spirit can do yeah. in the matter of like minutes or an hour in your yeah. bedroom, like crying out to God, like heal me and free me. Yeah. Yeah. He can do it in a minute. Yeah. And he did that and yeah. he's done that. I mean, we're already on our testimony. So I don't know. I was going to say, I'll just go. You start, yeah. I'll, I'll conclude and then we'll move on to Marie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know we're going to, I know. I'll hang up. <laughs> I'll hang up. Um, I was like, yeah, we could go back and forth, but if we're going to full Let's circle this back organic. into this story anyway, <laughs> yeah. um, we'll go through. So my, my story of faith, um, I didn't have quite the same family dynamic that Rob had, um, a little bit more of an interesting, an interesting family. Um, I dealt with a lot of depression when I was, when I was younger, um, dealt with just, I don't know, just super unhappy with how my life was. I just I hated everything about it, so much about it. And I remember, you know, hanging out with Rob and getting invited. I always tell the story. I brought it up. I bring it up everywhere. I bring it up at youth convention because the small actions, like when I'm preaching and bring it up, like the small actions that you do as a, as a believer, you have no idea the impact it's going to have. And so Rob tricks me into sleepovers on Saturday. So before- <laughs> Sorry, Elf. It just reminds me of the movie Elf. Um, <laughs> Daddy, take me in. Uh, would do, we, we would hang out. Honestly, I, I borderline lived at your house for a while. We were there so back much. And forth, yeah, it's like. true. We went through stints of whose house we lived at. But um, I'd stay over Saturday and before you guys would bring me home, before I could drive, like you, you'd- we'd go to church and then I'd get dropped off at home and then I had a license and we'd still can't kind of keep that rhythm. And then one of the harder things that I went through in my life was uh, finding out that my family was going to split. And so when I was uh, around 18, my, uh, my dad moved out um, and I was really hard on me and my sisters. And I remember just being really kind of heartbroken that we weren't a unit um, and we, we may not have had it all together but we were at least still kind of a unit living together for, for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so we found out he would uh, move away. And so that was, that was really hard. And so hanging out with you again, you know, I've been, I had been attending church, but I was just there to hang out, just there to hang out. And then it's the week, the week we go that I found out that my dad was moving out. Um, I, and granted, like, in hindsight, the way it felt and the way that it was like, my dad moved like 10 minutes down the road. <laughs> like, right. So I, he, he still wanted to be a part of it. And, and so it wasn't like I lost everything, you know, all this other stuff. Um, but that's how I felt. Like I was still a kid that yeah. family split up and, um, and that was rough. And so the sermon that's preached, the church that we're at right now, the church that we're pastors at, um, had just changed their name to Restoration Church from Family Worship Center. So they started doing a series, Restoration uh, of, insert name here for every week. And they asked Pastor Nate, who was the youth pastor at the time, now our lead pastor, to preach on the restoration of family. And so the week we're there, dad just moved out, they preach on restoration of family. And Pastor Nate's story is uh, his dad left him. Uh, so all the analogies, all the story is about losing 
your dad. And I remember him just, he was, he was, he was encouraging. He was preaching through it. And he just kept saying kind of loudly, like God is father to the fatherless. God is father to the fatherless. And I, and I just started crying in service and felt like, wow, like this was a tailored moment. You know what I mean? Like this was a, you know, now knowing how God works, this was an orchestrated moment that we'd hold off on the family splitting up until this sermon was ready to preach until he had this friend who brought him to church. And now we're going to, you know, we're going to have this happen because he needs to know that I'm going to be his, you know, his, his spiritual father. And so I didn't give my life to Jesus. Then I just, knew something just happened. <laughs> like There's no way. And so I just started serving uh, to be at church, to be around church, started serving on tech. I've already played guitar. So I started serving on the worship team. Um, and it wasn't until like I was on a worship team at our Dover location. We were playing the song from the inside out. And I just like realized like, oh yeah, I do believe all of this. Like I do believe all of this. And I don't know, I always love the idea that the song is from the inside out because it took so long for my brain to realize what my heart was doing and, and my, my allegiance changing from my flesh to God. And so like God really did change me inside out before I even knew I was like, Oh my gosh, I, I guess I am. I guess I am a Christian. <laughs> and I remember going to the worship leader, my, who's a good friend of mine now. And I was like, Hey, I want to give my life to Jesus. And I had served for like over a year now. <laughs> and he goes, you're not a Christian. <laughs> and he was all shocked. He's like, I know Christians that don't serve as hard as you do. I'm like what on earth? You're not a Christian. And, and so I walked through and, and then realizing that's just, that's where God put me a, a, a servant's heart. I just wanted to serve, serve the church. And so that's we've done weird that. Accountability issue there, huh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like we, asked, we asked that question now. Uh, <laughs> How long have you been following the Lord before you're like, yeah. you know. uh, yeah, uh, who's we, that? We asked a little bit more. Not saying we wouldn't let him. If a drummer's no. like, I don't follow Jesus. but No, but like, where's the friendship? Like, <laughs> you know? he, It was just a unspoken, like, this kid's and always it was at the an church. assumption. It was an assumption. He knows like, all of his songs. He just assumed, like, like. Can I check in a subject with you? Do you even know Jesus? <laughs> but um, yeah. So just gave life to him. I had a servant's heart. I loved serving. Loved being a part of it. Um, and so I've just been good friends with the pastors since, and and now here pastoring the Dover location, which is the location I got saved at, and yeah, it's been a full circle, and so. More recently, you know, we've talked through just the, that one area, that one area that um, God still needed to work through. And, and so we've, we've walked through that journey of being freed from it. And, and I think uh, one of the things was um, you, you would talk through figuring out what that lie was, right? And so my freedom story took a long time after figuring out the why and the lie that the enemy gave to me mm. um, because there was an obedience step that I had not been doing. And so I had found out the lie the enemy wanted to put, the fear that the enemy wanted to put in me was, um, hey, you have, you have zero control how you turn out. You have zero control how you turn out. I, I heard... I heard my parents talking when I was young. Hey, you know, when he grows up, he might 
turn out to be this way. And, and I didn't want to be. Um, and, and if, for everyone, for my friends looking at me, I'm just being in code because I never know who's going to listen. Um, so we all know like kind of what they were talking about, but either way, um, they were talking like, maybe he'll grow up to be this way. And I didn't want to. And so, you know, actually, no, the story does not make sense without knowing. They were talking about if I would grow up to be gay. And I was a little kid watching TV and, and I didn't want to like, no, I, I want to like girls. Like I, I know I do. And I remember hearing, well, we, we won't know now. We'll have to wait to find out. And then me realizing I'm not going to know right now if I like girls. I think I do, but I'm not going to know. I have to find out later. And so I believe kind of unknowingly that began a search of, I got to find out if I'm gay or not. I got to find out if I like girls. And so I got to look up girls <laughs> and see what that's about. And, and that just spiraled me into this, this addiction of, of having to continue to look and having to work through. And this lie slowly begins to build like, you have no control how you're going to turn out. Um, you're just going to have to wait and find out. And that being kind of what happens. And, and we had this moment where just God had revealed that. That memory disappeared from my brain completely. And we were at a, at a retreat once and just praying like, the enemy has a lie. Ask, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal a lie. And out of nowhere, I just saw me as a kid watching TV. And I'm on the worship team. And I looked at the other worship leader and said, you sing, I think something's about to happen. <laughs> because I... That doesn't happen to me. I don't, I, when people are like, the like God speaks to me in visions, I'm like, okay, like I, <laughs> not to me. And so the fact that I got something, I was like, shoot, something's like, it's about to go down. <laughs> and so I was like, you need to sing. I think something's going to happen. And so I started listening and I remembered that. And it was just this like heartbreaking um, moment that, um, I, yeah, I still get emotional thinking about it, but um, he said, picture this and, you know, I'm picturing what happens. I'm watching TV and I'm trying to just watch TV, but I'm overhearing the conversation. He goes, all right, I want you to try and, you know, just put Jesus in that moment. Just allow, allow the Holy Spirit to put Jesus in that moment. And, uh, and when I picture it, Jesus is like, He's in the room. This is kind of the vision that popped in. He's in the room and he's just trying to say, do not listen right now. Do not listen right now. No, no, don't listen. Don't listen. This isn't true. This isn't true. And he just keeps repeating over and over again. And, uh, and he's like heartbroken that it's going into my head, trying to block my ears and trying to, but I, but I just keep listening and, and working through that. Um, he said, all right, I need you to, now say what the lie was, say what the lie was. I said, I'm not in control of who I am. I'm not, I, I have no control. Um, and so I, I need to push to, to be in control of who I, who I'm attracted to and what I'm attracted to and, and all this other stuff. And, and they said, all right, let the Holy Spirit um, first acknowledge that's a lie. Now let the Holy Spirit tell you the truth. And I just remember vividly, you're not in control. I am, and I made you. I made you wonderfully. I made you, I made you beautifully. Like you, you are exactly who you need to be as long as you follow me. And, um, and I just remember having that click and everything worked backwards from that. Just realizing that's, that's pornography. That's where it came from for me. 
Um, that's my, my image of myself and my tit- my need for a title and my need for all these things just started kind of working backwards now mm-hmm. of like the Holy Spirit just saying this, 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 the, all these things are what this lie did to you. Now cut it out and follow me. And so, you know, kind of briefly told you, but there was a big obedience step in that as well of, I got to tell my pastor, my best friend, and my wife um, that I want to be obedient. The problem is my pastor, my best friend, my wife thought I overcame pornography in high school. And so I had let a lie fester of who I was. And so I held off for quite some time um, telling any of you guys um, because I had to shatter this facade that I had built up. And, uh, and for me, just God wasn't having it. And so that Holy Spirit moment up until the time I confessed that's in the Haley was the last time I ever felt like God spoke to me. He told me just shattered everything mm-hmm. and then like unplugged. Yeah. And it was silent for, for months and months and months just praying like, God, you know, you know, what do you, what do you need from me? What do you have? You know, all this different stuff, nothing, no reply. It was a lot of like, you know, like that was all I ever felt like God had said to me, you know what you're supposed to do. I said, you're free in this, be obedient, you know, and, and work through that. And then finally, uh, God allowed, uh, anxiety to enter my life, uh, just to put some more pressure on it. I just believe that, that God started putting pressure on me. Um, all right, we're going to make it harder for you to sleep. We're going to make it harder for you to, because you know what you're supposed to do and you're not doing it and, and still working through. And I knew I was going to talk about it. And then finally Haley had had a dream that kind of, it was something God, that God put inside you. Um, so yeah, um, God had put a dream in, in, in Haley's mind one night that, um, we were both tied down, which I think is an important aspect to remember that she didn't have a dream. I was tied down. She had a dream that we both were, were tied in. down. Yep. And it was almost like we were being interrogated, but we weren't being interrogated. We were being accused. I was being no, accused yeah. in front of her. I'll just so it's not yep. miscommunicated. Um, but yeah, we were both on opposite sides of the room. Like we were in like an interrogation room, like, and the lights were all dark. And I kept hearing voices saying, he's lying, he's lying, he's lying. He's not telling you the truth. And like, kind of like the light was on him. And I like, was like kind of stuck and I didn't know what to do. And I like woke up and I was like, what is, what was that? (laughs) Like, what in the world was that? And I didn't tell him at all in the morning. um, Cause I was like, that was weird. Like I, I didn't want to make connection to anything, but then I really felt pressed. We were leaving something we were together just the two of us and um I was like hey I don't think this means anything but I wanted you to know because I like truth in our marriage and I said this is what happened last night not sure what that means to you but this is what I want to share with you and that kind of sparked more pressure (laughs) Uh, yeah so now that's working through uh quite a bit of pressure now I had recently just lost lost a friend in ministry for the same type of issues um, and so the pressure was on, right? And so, um, 
Finally, I feel like I hear from the Holy Spirit again. He said, if I didn't tolerate this before, why would I tolerate it now? And so I knew either I come out and say something and maybe experience the grace of the Lord or it's coming out and I lose everything that I have because you could, right? Um, and so I'm trying to work through just everything. This turned into like the longest testimony. But <laughs> it's a good through, one. But, um, and so for me, we're, we're laying in bed and out of nowhere, I'm just like, I got to go to the bathroom because my head feels like it's going to pop off. Like the heat <laughs> coming out of my ears, the everything. I go into the bathroom and I just went to the bathroom. So I'm like, all right, idiot. Now she knows. Which is funny because I had no suspicion. <laughs> Zero. But I'm like, Absolutely you just went none. to the bathroom. You just said you have to go again. So I'm in the bathroom. I'm looking in the mirror. Like, like you know that feeling when you're looking it, it, like when you're looking towards the toilet because you got the stomach flu and you're about to throw up and you're like, here we go. Like that's what's happening to me in the mirror. I'm just like, all right. She knows something's wrong, <laughs> which didn't. she didn't know apparently. Okay. No, she well, knows something's wrong. No, I've known. So for a while I've known he was dealing with anxiety and I thought- Yeah, with the it pressures. Was with, yeah. with the pressures of everything in life. Like I couldn't, I didn't make any connection to the pornography and the lies behind that. Yeah. So- so either way, I and then I just opened the door and just told her, told her everything. Um, and we had some real honest, open conversation. We had a couple, a couple hours of uh, let's have you process, and I'll, uh, you know, I'll process. I called you, Rob. I called our pastor and talked through everything. And both of you guys were so kind and and amazing. Um, but and I still think in that story, I wasn't free yet wasn't free yet because there was this unity piece that I think God still had for us. Yeah. And I remember you talking to Marie, Haley, you were talking to her and, and just so. working yeah. through, um, working through what this was and, and what was going on. And, and finally we were at least able to go to bed. I think that was what it was. Then the next day yep. the kids were, the kids yeah, were either was, napping or was, they were gone, but either way we late. found ourselves yep. at a spot during the day where we were together and and Haley forgave me. I finally asked her. I'm like, I'm so sorry. I know I've said this over again. I really want to ask your forgiveness. And Haley forgave me. And then Haley started talking through the freedom that she's starting to see even from it. Just things that God's been revealing of like, here are some lies that the same enemy that's working in your husband was putting into you of comparison, not good enough, uh, all these other things. And and she's telling me all these things that she had been struggling through. And I came over to her to, um, to comfort her. And, and this just in a beautiful, this beautiful moment, beautiful woman that just holds me and begins to pray for me instead. Um, and just begins to pray like, God, give him your love. Give him your peace, heal him, take this away. And I cried like I've never cried in my life. We're all tearing up right now just talking about it. Um, I cried like I never cried in my life. I've never cried like that. Um, it was heaving, heaving. And, and, and just this, the spiritual side of that, every heave, it hurt. 
yeah. pushing out. And she just keeps holding me, praying, praying. I, I swear it was 15 minutes or half an hour of the same thing, holding me, praying. And every heave hurt. And realizing from that forgiveness, from that obedience, whatever the heck had had its grip on me since mm-hmm. I was 10, like, like, like its talons in my soul were being ripped out and it hurt because it had been in, it had been like in me for so long and as she keeps praying every heave out was was letting something else go letting another piece go and finally at the end of it just like so calm for me i finally done heaving just so calm so quiet and the first piece i've had in my life like the first real piece i've had in my life and and we just kind of stayed there for a while. <laughs> I don't really remember after that. Uh, I don't remember the, what happened at all after just that. feeling just, God's peace in that moment and like the yeah. utter healing and freedom that I knew you were experiencing. Like, for us, it, yeah, for us, oh, I don't know for us, but for me, it felt like the it is finished yeah. moment. Um, and so science says I should have gone months of, withdrawals months of having to reroute my habits and work through all these things but I didn't have to and now I'm not being stupid so if anyone has a big healing moment don't be stupid after um we have we have things in place we have Mm -hmm. plans we have conversations all the time we work through uh, you know, we talk every day about our hearts and, and where it is. We're trying, you know, we're working through, we're open, we're honest. But the the hardship that most people have to fight through, I'd been praying, God, just take it away. Like, what is going on? I know you can. Why won't you? And finally, it was, well, you told everyone now, right. so I will. And so just just pulled that away. And, and so that's kind of the moment, the moment we're in, uh, which is... Amazing. Oh. And still just seeing how God moved in that is still awe, awe-inspiring. And I, I think one thing we get so caught up in is that we rely on our own strength all so the much. time with every area of our life. And we don't surrender it because we yeah. think we can be the ones to fix it. But in reality, we cannot. Yeah. Like we cannot rely on our own strength. We're faulty, false people. Like we are so full of sin. So um, when we release that and confess and get that right with God and let him be the one to help us and, you know, lots of stuff can be freed from that. Yeah, absolutely. Brings us back to what Pastor Nate spoke about not too long ago, that whole like, do you want to be healed or do you want to be well? question yeah. mm-hmm. where it's so much more than just, Hey, do you want, it, it, yeah, you want your shoulder healed. You want your, you want that thing that you've been hoping for you, that big financial miracle, but do you want to be well? Right. And he, and God's after so much more than just oh, yeah. a quick healing and all right, get back out there in the game, kid. Like right. he, he wants to heal your heart. He wants mm-hmm. to, he wants to make you mm-hmm. right with him. And, and he has, but there are just pieces that we hold back and it's crazy. But right. a lot of it comes from pride. You know, like it's not just a porn issue. It's a pride issue. It's a self-reliance issue. Mm. It's a um, needing to be in control issue. 
Like there are multiple layers. It's a fear issue. It's a fear issue, right? There's just layers of it. And that's all in your heart. Those are all heart issues. And so God's like, yeah, you want to direct this one issue, but you got all these other things you got to free too. I would almost say that it's spiritual as well. I know Mm. you're right in saying it's the heart, but I think if you think about it on a spiritual level, something's layering those things in. 100%. Like it's 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 intricately woven (laughs) through our spirits. Absolutely. Like the way that it is. I would Um, almost argue that the spiritual realm could I get any closer? Like you could. <laughs> is reality. Yeah. Like the You're spiritual right. yeah. realm is reality. And mm-hmm. we are in almost the the make-believe because it's so short. It's such a blip right. yeah. in time. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, the spiritual so world is what holds eternal weight. That's right. huge. And that's yeah. that's what I've been trying to figure out over these past the past year or so, is just seeing things seeing things the way that they need to be seen, like yeah. seeing, seeing, waking up and remembering and living out loud, not obnoxiously, but living a life that Jesus is on the throne of heaven. He is my King. He's my God. And I live to glorify him and worship him. So to live a life where I truly believe that, where I, I don't see it around me, there's war happening, there's people getting murdered, all this crazy stuff happens in our world even the everyday life, you know, one of the kids is peeing on the floor or whatever. It's just all this, all this stuff that happens right in front of us that just takes us out of like the, the spirit, you know what I mean? It feels like sometimes where it's just like, but if you just lived there, think of the patience, the peace and the joy that you could have regardless of what happens. Yeah. Um, Because you're living in a place where you're just recognizing who's on the throne, who's got the authority in your life and in their lives and the power, right? Like, that's that's what it's all about. Living yeah, by so faith, good. not by sight. I'm not laughing at you. I, I know. Made she made a funny lip noise. <laughs> Maybe it got into the mic, but we all heard it. I missed um, it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. So, um, yeah. Do we... Uh, we want to part two this sucker or we want to keep... Let's keep going. We're, yeah. yeah, we're not too far. Well, we can always... Yeah, yeah. We'll keep but, talking. I want right. to keep talking. Guys' testimonies, girls' testimonies. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I think we can. I think yeah. we can walk through it. Let's let's hear a little bit, um, a little yeah. bit from from so, you guys. Yeah, I'll, I'll try and make mine short, a little shorter, and then maybe in a future podcast we can kind of talk more details about different things that we want to just pick apart or whatever. Yeah. But, um, I grew up. In a very similar type of like household as Rob, like grew up in a Christian home. Um, my parents loved the Lord. They were still together, you know. Um, everything was very, um, very like normal. Like I lived in a very normal household, I guess. Like we didn't have, I mean, fights and stuff happened, but what household doesn't have those things? So, but, um, you know, I, I went to church, did all the things. And, you know, being a Christian was just a title I always wore. You know, it wasn't something I discovered. It was something just there. And like, I wore it and I, I truly believe God had like, had like a protection over me in that sense where like, sometimes I think of like the families that have been, you know, in the past generations of just in pursuit of God and protected by, you know, God and all that. And like, I, I never, I never want to take it lightly. I, I love that I grew up in a Christian home. Um, 
But like, I don't think I ever really truly discovered like the love of Jesus and who he was and the Holy Spirit and all those things. But I remember when I was a kid, um, I must have been like six. I really experienced the Holy Spirit at this um, speaker at our church. Or I was at a school. I was at a private school and he came to talk. And in that moment, I felt the Holy Spirit. Like I could visibly, like I could just feel him. And I like, I never had that, like where it was just me and Jesus, like me and the Holy Spirit. Everything else was silent. And I just remembered that one thing. And growing up, you know, it was when I was young, I kind of just lived with it. But like things like that, and when you're in a Christian home, you have your highs of these experiences and then it just kind of drifts away. But, you know, you still always are like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. But I never was in pursuit of Jesus. I always just like had him with me. Like it was just, that was it. Um, until I think I got, I think it was like around 15. Um, I had that again, this big encounter of like, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, where I just was in full surrender mode and I let everything down and I was like, okay, God, it was more so like my direction of, am I going to follow him or if I'm going to do my own thing? And it was kind of in that high school moment where like everyone makes their choices where, where they're doing good things or they, they want to go in a different direction. And I really felt like God was like, you're following me. You're going to be in ministry. You're going to serve me. You're going to love me. And that hit really hard for me. And I was like, okay, this is it. I am going to do everything I can to pursue Jesus. So, you know, that was my life. Um, <laughs> I think I, I encountered some difficult moments in my in childhood, adolescence, age, into high school. A lot of um, unfortunate sexual things happened to me that like I kind of blurred out that I didn't want to deal with. Mm. And I started dating Jeremy at a young age. Like that was our previous, um, our pretty on our previous podcast. But yeah, so we, we started dating young and I'd never really dealt with any of those issues up until relatively recently. Um, but when we got married and all that, I, I kind of brought in this baggage, like just this stuff that I never dealt with. A lot of things that I didn't, think I needed to address because I thought I was good enough to just not let it affect me. Um, and so when I went into the, into our marriage with all this stuff, um, I don't think I really got freed from that until I never really made the connection of a lot of issues that I was dealing with, which was kind of funny that he was dealing with control, being in, needing to be in control of his life because I was also feeling that too. And it was needing to be in control of my life. And whenever, you know, I felt like um, something was out of control or I wasn't in control, I would get angry or I'd, I would just be like frustrated or whatever. And I was just kind of dealing with these sins that I didn't really make connections to why. And a lot of it was connections to in the past not being in control in those situations. And so um, when was this? Was this leaders retreat that I really made those dots and those connections? No. Yeah. Yep. Freedom. Yeah. Freedom. Freedom retreat. retreat. Uh, <laughs> all, how ironic. All the yeah. Same in here. But a retreat retreat. All the same. Retreat, retreat. All the same place. <laughs> but yeah, so 
there was a lot of these dots or all these little things that God literally just like made connection points to. And I was like, wow, why am I dealing with this? Oh, it's because of this. And he just revealed a lot of things through that retreat for me. And it truly just brought me to my knees. And I was like, wow, God, like you can heal me in this and I can be freed from this. Even though I didn't know I, I had these issues here. Um, and, you know, I thought I was, you know, good enough to not deal with it. And it was, it was a, just an experience that I really always will hold true in so deep in. And throughout the past too, I'm like kind of backtracking here, but throughout the past, you know, five years of, well, it's been, we've been married for eight, but five years, six years, we've gone through so many highs and lows. And a lot of those were the lows of miscarriages and pregnancy scares and all these things where I was like, those moments where you want to flee and just run away, but like you just press onto Jesus in those moments because that's all you have left. Mm. And I've, I think God really shows himself to you when you run to him during the, those like lowest moments because yeah. you have nothing else to grab onto but Jesus. Like you need him in those moments. And when all of the stuff happened in our marriage with the the freedom that G Jeremy experienced with pornography, as much freedom as he had, I still had so many things that I was uncovering. Like I didn't know I was dealing with. Yeah. And a lot of those things was like, I remember in 2020 when I had Levi, I could not stop fearing and having this thought, this lie of being unworthy. And it just was like constantly going on where I like literally was like, I'm going to go alter my body. Like I wanted all these things to fix my image and my head. And I was like, why am I dealing with this? And I remember calling our pastor and be like, I need you to come over and pray for me. Like we spent that evening in prayer. And I was like, these are the lies I'm believing. And I like could not make the connection and I didn't know where it was coming from. And so much of this revelation that came from his freedom was like so rooted in that. And I didn't realize until probably a month after his experience of the freedom that I was like, I haven't looked in the mirror once and like thought I wasn't yeah. good enough. Yeah. And I was like, I remember literally making that connection as, as I was driving home from, I think it was some service church or something. And I was like, wow, my head has been clear of this, like of these horrible lies that I've, I apparently have had in my head that just had been clouded there where I thought it was just normal thinking, you know? And even since then, like, it's just incredible what a clear mind is like, a, like a mind of not feeling like inadequate or not good enough or not perfect. Like every, like what my mind thought I needed to be for him or for other people, you know? And so that was pretty much my summary of- over it. Covert freedom. Yeah. So and, and while and, we're in here. But also, like, <laughs> just, it was crazy though, because like, even with all of that throughout the past two years, I feel like I've had such a deeper connection to Jesus than I ever have in my life. And I think that has so much to do with me just like one, like diving into the word and like really understanding script, scripture from the front to the back and knowing how it's just like one full whole book and having this appreciation for Jesus through the Old and the New Testament where like, you know, years ago I would have been like, oh yeah, Jesus, like that's the gospel. That's all we need to know about. But no, Jesus is in the Old Testament. Like it's it's all in there. And it like 
everything of like clicked for me more like, you know, when like you have these deep thoughts about something and it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper and everything all of a sudden just like a light bulb clicks. That's how my faith kind of has been on this journey in the past two years of just a rediscovery and a re like, I want to call it just a rediscovery of who Jesus is and Mm. who God is and the character of God and what he does in your life and what he reveals to you and how he works because he's worked in my life in the past year in ways I never thought I could, I would, I would experience God. He's given me dreams. Like he's given me these visions and things that I never in my life would have assumed or thought would happen to me. But like, it was all to reveal something that God wanted to reveal. And it was like, it's incredible what God's hand is in something when we allow and we surrender, surrender it and he, and he uses whatever he can to use. And it's just, it's really cool. Anyways, yeah, that's a little bit. That is, I think that was long, longer. No, no? that was great. the okay. shortest one. I, okay. I was just like, go, 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 go. Okay. Ping pong clap. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to say it's cool to be talking about our testimonies because we know all know each other very well. And we're, we're like all like intertwined in, into yeah. each other's, but yeah. it's like yeah. to hear this story retold is just like really touching. And I just want to say about yours, Haley, like I've known you since we were kids, since we were in single digits, like, isn't that crazy? I know. But like, I've, I've told you this in person, but just you are the most beautiful woman I've ever laid my eyes on. And it's not because of your physical appearance you are gorgeous but to see you <laughs> back off jeremy I thought you were gonna sing it <laughs> I love the face. <laughs> that's what mary no. sings to me <laughs> but to see how you have dealt with trial in your life especially lately like it's that whole spiritual thing that i was talking about like the spiritual realm is reality it's like god gifted me like spiritual vision for a moment like watching you as you're literally calling on the Holy Spirit to give you peace and breath. Like those moments, like Mm -hmm. when he just lets you almost see with his eyes, it's just like, wow, like absolute beauty. Just like to, to, like you said, rely on him and call on his name and mean it and not just be like, solve my problems for me. But like, God, I'm going to put in the work. I just need you here with me right now. Like, yeah. It's just, man, it's really cool. It's it's an honor to be. And I must say, like, here we're getting all, like, sympathetic here, but I think God has gifted all of us such beautiful friendships. Like, yeah. I don't ever take that for granted, ever. Like, I look at our life and I'm like, wow, I could not be where I'm at without you guys. Like, like yeah. seriously, like, I'm getting emotional, but I'm serious. Like, I could, I would not be here where I where I am today without you you guys and you have been there and you've been our rocks and you have been directing us and keeping us accountable and helping us and, you know, providing for us and being the support that we've always needed. And I think God just used you both in tremendous ways. Um, and I think that's like the beauty of the body is like, he's mm-hmm. just using you guys and, and we're tools and it's just been so, it's been so beautiful. So like grateful for both of you. And we're still waiting on Marie to know the Lord, but um, <laughs> so yeah, kidding. we can just end it there. <laughs> <laughs> no, Marie, go. we've been um, talking about this entire time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So 
early years. I mean, I grew up in a, in a Christian home as well. My parents were amazing, are amazing. I was a pastor's kid. So I've always had a glimpse into ministry and how the whole family, you know, makes sacrifices um, for that. And it's just, that was an honor. Like my parents just painted the correct picture, I think for me, especially my dad and like how beautiful ministry is and how sacrificing for others isn't a pain. It's an, it's an honor. And like, that's what we're called to. Um, I will say though, the church that I grew up in, I still love everybody there. Um, it's not like there's no qualms, but the church that I grew up in, I feel like Qualms. I love that. Qualms. <laughs> I'm sorry. I haven't heard every once in a while. <laughs> I was going to say, I haven't had the word in a long time. The organ plays. <laughs> um, the focus, at least what, what I interpreted, I can't say that this was their bad or anything. What I interpreted as a kid and as a teenager was a focus on um, corporate worship. So my relationship with God felt very corporate. It didn't feel very individual. Um, and so I was exposed to a more individual relationship with, with Jesus. I mean, it's not like I wasn't exposed, but I was more exposed. I would say when I became best friends with Haley and like would visit the Barrington worship center. And, um, I was just like, Whoa, this is a whole different world. (laughs) Um, and then I started to like Rob and that lady with the flag over there. (laughs) Oh my God. It's a different world, even for us. <laughs> I'm trying um, not to bring up different types of speaking in tongues I've heard in the past. <laughs> Stop. Um, don't, Jeremy, don't do no, it. No, I'm not going to. Okay. Uh, he was a man of God, Jeremy. He was a man of God. <laughs> <laughs> no context. I can speak in someone else's tongues. <laughs> Continue. Uh, then I started liking Rob. We were texting. It w- that was a difficult, I think, piece of my adolescence because of our age gap. Um, but Rob, in a not creepy way, would like talk. Sorry, you said not creepy way. And Haley started looking behind me like something was creepy. I, I thought I heard the door trying to open. So that's why it was like. Oh, like the front door? Yeah. Probably. Ooh. Um, Don't worry, they'll come around back and knock. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, yeah, Rob would just talk to me about his faith and um, like where he was at in his walk with God and everything. And it, it, it was just an, a very eye-opening experience to be like, oh, so like I, God sees me for like my individual spirit, not not when I am just like in worship with other people. Like it just like that was kind of like a light bulb moment for me. But um, as things got more serious with Rob and I, it became like super clear that I just wanted to be a wife and a mom and like I wasn't really called to any like vocation. Um, And so like my whole life started like- Motherhood is a vocation. But let me tell you. (laughs) Let me tell you now. So I wasn't- Motherhood was a vacation. Go take a hike. Why don't you go check on that door, pal? All the stay-at-home moms just exited out. Damn, we just lost all our listeners. Yeah. Um, where was I? Oh, so I'm yeah, so like I just stopped like thinking, like putting the pressure on myself. Like what college am I going to go to? Like I was just like, I don't need to. 
So uh, I, I think I like began to idolize becoming a wife and a mom. Like that's all, that's all I cared about. And so I did, I became a wife and a mom. And I don't think that that was the wrong thing. God clearly called us to get married and, and everything. And two months into our marriage, I found myself pregnant. I was super excited. It was December. I was going to surprise Rob with an ornament. Hey, you're going to be a dad. Merry Christmas. Um, but then literally, I think, uh, I actually don't remember this order of events as far as days, but I ordered the ornament before it came in. I realized I was miscarrying and like my world melted, like everything, like the walls just felt like they were just non-existent anymore. Everything was falling apart and like tunnel vision. Um, and I feel like it was because like, it was like that because we, you, Haley and I had spoken about like how that was a big fear of ours, miscarrying because we knew of a couple other women who had experienced it and like how it shattered them. And I was like, oh, heck no, that that's not going to happen to me. Yep. Um, and it did because obviously we have no control over that. Um, and it, it, like I said, it wrecked me. Um, and I think for, uh, it was probably about a year. I was just a completely different person. I was so depressed. I was so mean. Like I was just so secluded from everybody. And I chose to be like that. Like I was like, I'm, I'm out. And I, okay. So here's a little, a little, advice for people in ministry, validating someone's pain. Like if you're in an influential place in their life can mean so much to them. So I was starting to come out of this depressive state because you, about a year after I was like, all right, God, I'm done. Like, like take this from me. I'm, I'm going to do the work. Like I'm going to, I'm going to stop being such a jerk to everyone that loves me. Um, I'm going to try to like invest in people's lives because that's what I'm supposed to do. Um, I'm going to love my husband and stop taking control. Cause one of the things that I said was, I was like, I'm not having a kid. Like, like if that can happen to me once, it can happen to me twice. And I'm not, I'm not doing that again. Um, and I'll return to that later, but the whole ministry piece, one of my, um, my dad's conversations that he told me about was with my old principal from school. My dad apparently went up to him and he was like, I'm really worried about Marie. Like she's not doing well. Like she's different. And this guy was like, he didn't say it to me. He said it to my dad. He was like, well, yeah, like she lost a baby. Like she lost a child. Don't you think that that would, that would hurt? Like he was like, what would, what would you say to a mother who lost a child that she, that she got to bring to full term? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you think that that would be pretty life altering? And so like just hearing that, like someone that I looked up to for my whole life was like, yeah, of course. Like she's going to have that. Like I was like, okay. Like it was validated. Yeah. It was, it was validating, but it wasn't enabling. It wasn't, like I said, he didn't say it to me. He wasn't like, oh yeah, you should be depressed. Like you should, you should be a jerk to everybody. It was just, he told my dad, like, just give her time, like let her grieve. And if she's grieving incorrectly, like deal with that in time. But like, right. Just hearing that was like, okay, thank you. (laughs) I know I didn't do it right, but thanks. (laughs) Um, so anyway, that year, that year was over and then we started trying to have kids again. And then we had Bobby and, um, we had a couple more miscarriages and then we had Johnny and then we had Evie and all throughout that, there's like a lot 
but there was a, a piece of my life where I realized the seriousness of not trusting God and like how very grim it can be because when you let a sin like not trusting God, the God who deserves all of our trust and saying, no, I can, I can control my life better. I, I don't want to have kids anymore because I know that there's a risk that I could lose them. Um, and telling, telling him that with your actions is so dangerous because I mean, it, do we believe that he loves us? If so, he's going to, he's going to act like he loves us. Like, and so we should act like he does too. And so in my life, there was a period of time, I don't even remember how many years ago it was at this point, but there was a time where I just became scared for no reason. I have no idea how it started. Around Bobby when he was a baby, right? He might've been a toddler. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if Johnny was born though. I feel like he was. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Well, see, it was, it was a that's whole blur for me. We're here for you. We know your <laughs> story. Well, we remember- Blur it. <laughs> We were your crutches during that time. Yes, you were. (laughs) I felt so crazy. It was just like such a dark time where like, again, I felt like a completely different person, but not because Mm -hmm. I wanted to be. Like I wanted out. Um, So like without getting really weird, like things were just scary for no reason. Like I I was just, I felt like I was watching a horror film at all times Um, or like a kid who's like afraid of the dark. Like I was very afraid of the dark. (laughs) Um. And I was just, I, I, like I said, I felt crazy. I didn't tell Rob for a little bit because uh, I was afraid of going to the psychiatric hospital. Like I was like, I don't want to lose, I don't want to do that. So I'll just pray it away. And um, that didn't work. Praying it away did not work. Um, so then I was like, okay, I got to bring my husband in on this. And I think it, be, it happened at a point where I was just like desperate for help where he was on his way to work or like about to head out the door to go to work. And I was like, I don't think you can leave today. Um, I'm very scared. And he was like, oh no, what's going on? I was like, literally nothing. I don't know. I don't know. Nothing is happening, but I'm terrified. Was that, that was around the time that you like had your dad and then I came over a few times, but like someone always needed to be with you. Yes. I invited so many people over my house in that period of time because being alone, like terrified me. And I was like, what is going to happen to me? And like, I apparently just Bobby, me and my son, like, (laughs) like I can't protect him if I'm this terrified. Like, so yeah, I think, honestly, I don't remember, but yeah, my dad came over a lot and you came over a lot. Um, but I didn't tell you guys why. I was no. just like, yeah, please, yeah. like, let's have tea. <laughs> um, yeah. Come over for well, a yeah. tea. I knew something was off in your life, but I did not make the connection until- Well, who would ever think right? that someone is struggling with paranoia? Yeah. But, I didn't. Yeah. I, no, just thought you you, no I just thought you loved having your dad over, which you do. I do. Yeah. I love having so your dad over. So it wasn't out of the ordinary. So Yeah. What? He could protect me. He's comforting. Um, so yeah, that day I just told Rob, I told Rob everything and he was just, you know, so good, so kind. And what are you crazy? <laughs> yeah. Slammed the door, went to work. <laughs> Get over it. No, he called out of work and then he was like, okay, so we're just starting out on this journey. Like what's going on? And it did. It started a journey of us just like literally looking in the Bible for like, what could this be? And Googling stuff. How do we get rid of this? Like, 
but one of the things that he was working against was my pride and not wanting to tell anybody. I was like, you may not tell my dad. You may not tell my friends. I am crazy. I know I am. No one shall know. And um, so he was working against that. So it was just the two of us. And um, he, long story short, helped me out of it. Like we went through this step, this like step-by-step process of realizing, okay, I have allowed demons to oppress me. I have allowed them into my life through a sin, that sin being taking control and fearing that God is in control and that I am not. Um, And so not trusting him. And that um, just opened my eyes to a lot of the things. So I I repented of those things and um, I was free like that night that it happened. And then I think I was free of a lot of my pride issues too. Um, because I realized like when you let help in, you, you gain a lot. And so, um, then I was like, okay, you can tell my dad now that everything's cool. But, um, it happened again where I felt like demons were trying to tempt me into that, that state of fear again. And I was like, oh heck no, can I do that again? So then I went to my dad immediately. I was like, Hey, I need you to pray for me like right here, right now, because my dad's just, he's got, he's got prayers. If you ever heard him pray, he has awesome prayers. Prayering. Prayering. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good prayering. Um, Mr. C, you mind giving her a good prayering? <laughs> getting laid, guys. Getting laid. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I think through my miscarriages and through that, m- that moment of f- paranoia in my life, there's been a lot of lessons. Um, but God is so cool because um, he doesn't let our pain go Uh, he doesn't let our pain happen for just any reason. Like he uses it for his glory. And uh, one of the reasons that, or one of the things that I'm taking from my miscarriages is that he has called me and Rob to um, be in this process of trying to write a book of whether I, I don't, I still don't have clarity on it, but it's, it's probably some sort of devotional or guide to walking through miscarriage in a godly way. Um, so yeah, there's some sort of ministry there, but that's like years down the road. Pre-order that book on Amazon. <laughs> <laughs> You'll see the link in the bio. <laughs> no, that's great. Yeah, no, I mean, it's your story alone. I mean, with what you worked through, like was the same time frame that I dealt with. So when you walk through what you walk through, you were right behind, I was right behind you and you helped me through it. And it was just not that I would, I was glad you experienced those things because I don't wish that upon anybody, but I had a hand to hold. And I think we had, we had a God that loved us, but I had a supporter and someone that had walked through it just as I was walking through it. Um, and I had what I wish I had for you and I wish someone was for you because what you did for me, I wish I could have replicated it for you. And well, the thing is like, that's one of the things that I remember about our friendship is that when you found out you were at the hospital right away, like that was my first miscarriage. Um, and I'll never forget that. Like you just gave me the most meaningful hug. And like, to me, I was already beginning to shut down. I was like, 
thanks for being here, but I think I just would rather not feel anything. Um, and I think you were, I think you were what I needed. I just didn't allow it. Like that's, that's part of the lesson that I learned. It's, you were absolutely there and you were absolutely available. Um, it was just me. It was, it was what God had to do in my heart to receive help and just release a lot of pride in me. Good. Yeah. Lots of, lots of movement in all these testimonies, but we'll wrap it up. Yeah. And what um, a different episode. Yeah. Literally. Episode number one. So, hey, this is a longer one. Let's uh, shout out if anyone listening to this is not named Dan Reed, because uh, I think you'll be the, the first one to get through it all. Cause <laughs> shout out shout you out. nameless person. You. <laughs> <laughs> if you made it past Dan's listening time, I just shoot, know. Shoot us a text. <laughs> Let us know you're still here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this these two episodes really carry through um, kind of what what this whole podcast is going to be yeah, about. Yeah, we'll um, we'll have different topics. We'll piggyback on and we'll we'll dive into, I think, a couple other topics I think would be a, another thing to chat about is just miscarriage and loss in general. Yeah. I think that's a topic we'll dive into. Yeah, absolutely. And how we deal with those things and grief. Um, but for I now. Think, yeah. I think just a big takeaway as yeah. we close out, um, think about how, think about who God has put in your life and realize when you look back in hindsight, what a blessing those people are. Absolutely. And tear down your pride, let people in, let people work through, because none of us would be where we're at if we didn't have each other. And that's not a goal that's unattainable, like probably some people believe. That is something that can happen for them. So let people in. Yeah. And And if you don't think you have it, go get it. Go find it. Go be that for someone else. Yes. We'll get it back. And maybe you've been hurt in the past because you've let people in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just choose your friends wisely. Don't yeah. don't give up hope, but choose wisely. Yeah. Right. So good. All right. We did it. Thanks Checking for listening, out. guys. Have a great night. Double.